0: Welcome in Rose City to the Soccer Made in Portland podcast. I'm Ryan Clark, joined by Chris Reifer. And Chris, it was a rough weekend, to say the least, for the Portland Timbers specifically. Uh, they lost 5-1 to one in Atlanta in a game that uh, was as bad as many people in the soccer community feared. <laughs> Tiago Almada did what Tiago Almada does and lit the world on fire. Um, He's I would say the early favorite for MLS MVP and and has his eyes firmly on a, a jump to Europe whenever that opportunity arises. Who knows if he even makes it through this whole season? Uh, but he was terrific. Um the the lone bright spot of that game, you know, being a, a great moment for tege Ikoba, uh, scoring his first career goal as a professional at 19. Uh, he's the youngest Timbers goal scorer of all time family was there. Uh, so, so terrific story on that, uh, on OregonLive.com for, for folks who are interested, but you know, overall thoughts, Chris, on, on what was a pretty disastrous match for the shorthanded Timbers.
1: Really, really cool moment for Tega. Um, and, and like I, that deserves all the, all the like, you know, discussion that it's getting. Uh, because it's, it's just a really cool moment. Uh, he's uh, uh, a guy who came to Portland five years ago, sort of looking to come up through the Timbers Academy. Uh, and he has had a really rough go of the last year or so. He's had uh, a number of things that have, that have made his sort of integration into the first team much, much more difficult that are totally outside his control injuries and those kinds of things um, that have made it more difficult than, than I think anybody would have hoped. And so, for him to come in in his first appearance in twenty nineteen or twenty nineteen, what year is it? Twenty twenty three. Wow, that was wild! Uh, in his in his first appearance in twenty twenty three, after sort of facing and overcoming a lot of that adversity, to come in and to score a goal is it's just awesome. You feel great for the guy, uh, and uh, and you know it's it's one of those things where you want to see that kind of hard work and perseverance pay off, and there it was. Uh, and so, and a really cool moment with his family, his brother jumping up and down. I think that's, I mean, you know, you, you, you just love to see it. That puts a smile on your face. Uh, and, and, you know, you, you hope that that, that, that is just the start of something for him. But even if it's not like nobody is ever going to be able to take that moment away from him. And that moment is a super cool one that he should cherish for the rest of his career, for the rest of his life. In terms of the rest, less cherishable.
0: Um oh. you're telling me you don't want to cherish the rest of the rest of that match. You're, you're not going to, you know, hang on to that. Well, less cherishable.
1: <laughs> 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 um, I mean, in terms of the rest, it was uh, it was. I mean, we've, we've seen performances like this on the road before from the Timbers where they're just not competitive. Oh. They. You know they haven't happened a ton uh, during Gio's period as coach, periodically, but not a ton. They happened a lot in John Spencer's. <laughs> I mean there uh, there was there there were a lot of trips down to Texas where they just got pumped like five or six zero. Happened periodically in Caleb Porter's, um, but they, it, this was that vintage of performance, just awful, awful, back to front. Terrible, <laughs> like I, uh, you know, I mean the 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 team's defensive shape was an absolute joke. It looked a lot because they were pushing Mascara so high. I would have described their defensive shape in many instances as like a four-one-five, which is not a thing that's that's not that's not a soccer formation but you know bravo was playing a little bit deeper so i'd put him on the back line uh the, diego char was like the one man midfield and then and then there were five other players uh who were not doing much of anything uh defensively and that's how you concede five goals is is just nonsense defensively uh i mean the the goal that uh that arousio scored was was just i mean that should that should and frankly i would bet did keep Gio up at night it's like a lazy play out of the back from atlanta almada picks the ball up basically around midfield uh with absolutely no ball pressure whatsoever they're like four timbers attackers Kind of in the neighborhood, but paying no attention whatsoever. Diego Chara, the Timbers, one midfield, he's the one, right? In the 415, he's the one. Uh, and he's like, Hey, anybody? And so he goes to put pressure, which of course creates just like an enormous vacuum of space between the Timbers back line, which has questions to ask in its own right, and literally every other player on the field. <laughs> and, and Almada just dumps one over to the top to our, our, our And that's it. All right, goal. Um, that I, I, I mean, not even close. That's not even close to competitive soccer. And I don't, I mean, you know, the injuries are a thing. We've talked about the injuries a lot. Um, but I, I agreed with Gio's comments after the game, frankly, that, You can't just look at the injuries to explain that performance. And, you know, I, Gio took responsibility uh, after the game and that's fair. He's the head coach. He certainly has some on his shoulders. Uh, I think there are a good number of players who also need to be taking some responsibility for that performance. And I think there's, there's responsibility to go around uh, the club altogether. Uh, As, as I said last week, they are just not prepared to play MLS soccer right now. And I think if you're a Timbers fan, this is a really familiar feeling at this time of of the year, right? Uh, Over the course of their entire MLS existence, what were 12th season, 13th season? I don't know. A lot of seasons. Since 2011, the Timbers have averaged about 0.9 points per game in the first month of the season. In the first four or five games of the season. 0.9 points per game. That is wooden spoon soccer, folks. And this has been a problem across coaching staffs. It's been a problem across training staffs. It's been a problem across groups of players. It's been a problem now across GMs. And so you can't just say this is a matter of oh, kind of a flurry of injuries. Flurries of injuries happen. But that's a totally inadequate explanation for this. The bottom line is that uh, this has been an ongoing problem that the team has never addressed. And frankly, I think they've never addressed it because they've never taken it seriously. But here they are now 12 years or whatever into this experience and they average 0.9 points per game in, in this stretch of the season. Uh, And if, you know, the Timbers overall average uh, in their sort of overall record records uh, average about 1.4 points per game uh, over the course uh, of, you know, all their MLS regular season games. If they just sort of did that in March, they would have an overall record north of 1.5 points per game, which frankly would put them, you know, over the course of that many seasons would put them in the top handful of teams in the league. And so literally this problem that they've never taken seriously and never addressed is what makes them mediocre over, you know, sort of in the middle of the pack in MLS as opposed to in sort of the top pack. So, I mean, we'll see if they take it seriously, but there's there's no reason, there, there, there's there's no sign. There's no indication that they are
0: and and you have to think generally. I, I agree with you on, on the premise of what you're talking about. That you know this is something that can't just be brushed away. It can't just be ignored. Like oh well, they start slow, but it's okay. They'll they'll figure it out in the end, and maybe they'll they'll make a run. I think it's a it's an important thing, and and it's no small thing that the Timbers have made two MLS Cup appearances under Geo Sever. I say that's a big deal to make that type of run, but they you know they didn't finish it they don't have the mls cups to to show for those exciting runs perhaps this could be the season where things go differently in terms of starting slow and then maybe you keep being slow you keep struggling it went
1: differently last year
0: yeah yeah last year was was it took a pretty herculean effort down the stretch for them to even get into the conversation and then with one game to To essentially get into the playoffs, they flubbed it. They they didn't show up. They performed poorly. Geo called out individual players, whether through the media or uh, in in terms of not playing them. I mean, it, it was it was ugly, and there seemed to be like a, a genuine bu- bubbling, rumbling culture issue under under the surface of what was a really mediocre season. Then you add Evander, who's obviously an exciting player but hasn't been able to get on the field this year. You don't make much else in the way of other changes beyond subtraction, taking Bill Tuiloma Loma out of the picture, who I think could help this team right now, but you know the the money as Ned Grabo has talked about, is gonna hopefully go to to improving the team overall in multiple areas um Frank bull is on the way i It's very messy right now. I I, I don't have a lot of confidence in the Timbers uh, ability to to pull points out of out of games, no matter who they're playing at this point. You've got two two prime examples (laughs) like, you know, St. Louis, I think, is a good team, but they've over over overperformed their talent and And they're flat track heroes. They haven't played anybody yet. (laughs) They haven't played anyone. They come in to Portland and, and they pretty much control that game to a point where where they win it without a whole lot of resistance then you go on the road and get drubbed by Atlanta you've got LA Galaxy this Saturday a team that has its share of injuries and we'll talk about that matchup more but um that's that is shaping up to be another loss just given the lack of personnel given the the form that this team is in and and that makes it so you have to start asking questions like you know tactically what is working and what isn't you know, lineup-wise, is it time to to make drastic changes? Should you bring up some guys to to help supplement from T2, just just kick the tires on some young guys who haven't had a chance yet? Draft picks like Noel Kaliskan, who has looked good in training from what I've seen, but, you know, hasn't gotten a chance yet. Do you make even more drastic changes in, like, a young guy like Tega, who, um, you know, he hadn't really factored into that whole discussion about who's gonna you know fill in while Mora is recovering but now Gio is talking about him getting more minutes and there is a chance I think in the next few games of of Tega starting and and that wasn't even in really the realm of possibility before but you know given the disappearing act of Nishgoda Gota and given the inefficiency and and kind of haphazardness of, of Nathan so far, you got to look there. And it, it obviously is not just the striker position. You, you look up and down this roster, you've got inefficient guys, aging guys, you know, guys struggling to contribute in ways that they're expected to, you know, Santi Moreno was a guy that you and I were both extremely high on coming into the season. He, he is not he's been poor. He's been poor. He, he has not been up to the level that this team expects of him. Um, and you know, maybe that's going to take some time. Maybe his late start, uh, is going to, you know, eventually come around to, to the level that's expected of him, but he's a guy that could be a difference maker for a middling team right now. Um, top to bottom, you know, there, there are very few bright spots you could say. And and one of them, one of the bright spots is Juan Mosquera, who I, I think has been a, a revelation in the first few games and has been exciting, but he's not there on Saturday. He's he's so good that he's getting called up to the Columbia national team uh, for important friendlies uh, over, over in the far East. So he, uh, you know, he, this is, <laughs> this is going to be a really rough game I think on Saturday against the galaxy. And in general, just the, the vibes are not good with the Timbers right now.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, the, this is just what we talked about all, all off season as the Timbers weren't making moves and weren't making moves and weren't making moves. And yes, it's been exacerbated by some injuries, but that's why when somebody says, Oh, this, this year is going to be different because we're not going to have as many injuries. You should say, really? <laughs> like, do you know that? Or, are or, or is it sports and you're going to have injuries because that's what happens in sports. Sometimes and and you know the the failure to to uh, to prepare is is preparation to fail and that's what they're doing right now um and yeah i mean it, it, the thing that's maddening about all of this is that it was pretty foreseeable and and yes there were reasons to hope that the timbers could be better I don't think those were unreasonable hopes. I don't think that the people who had those hopes were dumb or anything like that. But like, this was always pretty firmly well within the the realm of possibilities. And, and we've seen it before and we see it again. Oh, uh, I, I reject entirely sort of the premise that it's, that it's okay. And that it's healthy for the Timbers to kind of be banking on mid and late season runs to sneak into the playoffs and then may, hopefully make some noise in the playoffs. I frankly think a club that is leaning on that approach year in and year out just shows a lack of ambition. They're not trying to compete with LAFC. LAFC is ready to, ready to play. They're not trying to compete with the Seattle Sounders. Seattle Sounders are ready to play. Um, not trying to compete with Philadelphia Union. They're ready to play. And they came in ready to play on day one uh they're not trying to compete with the best teams in MLS if you're saying "Eh, you know we'll do what we can in the first few months but but you know summer's when we show up I mean if you're if you're saying that you're not trying to compete with the best teams in the league
0: yeah and and I think that you know there's there's potential for wasted opportunity here right with with the fan culture that exists in Portland with the reputation that Portland has around the league um you know, I was on the Scarves and Spikes podcast last week with uh, the the guys that cover Atlanta United, and and they mentioned something that I think hit an important point, and that was that you know for a while Portland has been viewed as the class of MLS, as as you know one of the the standard bearers of this league, and it seems to them, and and I agree with this sentiment that lately. Uh, that's trending the opposite direction. That that the Timbers are more of a, a middling franchise in in this league compared to to some of the newer teams that have you know cast themselves in a greater light and have had greater success. And you know Seattle playing in in you know CCL is is the obvious one, but you know you look at teams like LAFC, you look at what they're starting to build, although maybe this year isn't the best example, but Austin FC is another one, a younger club in in the um, in the league that is is building something strong. Philadelphia has surpassed them. LAFC surpassed them. Seattle is con- continuing to maintain its its level of play and the quality of players they're bringing in. Um, that should be a worry, I think, for Timbers fans. And you know, who knows if it's even on the radar of people in the front office, but you know, it's something that could happen moving back towards the middle or, or in like the lower tier of this league, because frankly, the resources aren't as robust as they are for clubs like LAFC for clubs like Philly that are throwing money at the wall and and it's sticking, it's working. So it, it, yeah. I'll go a step
1: further. I think that observation is obviously true. Like, I don't think you can rationally conclude otherwise. And like, that's it. And it's true in a lot of different ways, but it's absolutely true that the league, and this is good for the league has seen a number of new teams come in in the course of the last, you know, roughly most of the last decade that have raised the bar. In terms of resources coming into MLS and being used, and uh, and in in, in in any number of ways on the field and off, you've seen that in supporters groups, uh, from other supporters groups who have who have come in and and have made quite the impact, uh, and and full credit to them that, that that is that is a good thing, and it's not that I think the Timber supporters aren't up to that standard. I think they are. I think they very clearly are. I don't think that's the question at all. But, I mean, then the rest of the league is sort of divided into two groups. Those who are trying to keep up, who are trying to also raise their level to match that, uh, and and to remain competitive. And I think the Sounders are clearly in that group. I think the Union are clearly in that group. Um, I think there are a number of others yeah, for i think for the galaxy it's not for lack of trying uh they haven't necessarily been successful but they've at least tried to stay in that race
0: right yeah i think trying is is better than you know not satisfied with (laughs) middling yeah completely
1: um and i i think the timbers have clearly fallen short in that respect I, i i they have not done what they need to do to even try to stay in that race you saw it in and, you know, everybody talked last year about how it was pretty glaring seeing the timbers near the bottom of MLS in terms of wage spend. Um, they're probably a little bit higher this year b- because of Evander. That's it. Um, but I mean, that's certainly an indication of it. And there are lots of things. I mean, from, in, in, there's an infrastructure race going on. The timbers didn't enter it. Uh, there's, uh, there are, uh, you know, uh, resources being pushed into academies that haven't been, been done before. And, And clubs are really starting to see dividends from that. The union are the shining example. They've thrown a ton of resources into their academy and now they are feasting from it. The Timbers didn't do that. And so they're not. Uh, And, and, you know, I, 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 think that's, that's just it in, in many, many ways, the club has not done the things that they need to do, not made the investments that they need to do to get in this race. And I, I mean, I I don't think there's any way to conclude otherwise.
0: It's uh, it's rough going. Obviously, early in this season, I, I don't think that this discussion is a reaction to that. I I, I want to make that clear for it's listeners. part of it. It's but, part, but it's of, part it. of it. But it's but it's only part of it. It's only a small part of it. it this is this is something that you know. I I heard people talk about this. All throughout last year, and and yeah. I'm sure Chris, as somebody who's been in the soccer community for a while, this is a conversation that's been ongoing for for you for multiple years. Just just given where things are at, you know the the MLS's back tournament championship thing was fun and exciting, and you know it was a, it was a nice little uh, situation to, for the team to have the the appearance in MLS Cup where they were hosting was awesome. And what the the atmosphere there and the the soccer culture that's in this town was indicative in that moment. And and I will never personally forget being there at that moment when Felipe Mora tied the match late and that place shook. That, to me, that's what, that's is what, what it it's supposed be. to be. That's what it can be. And Last year and then the early part of this year, I, I do not think is living up to that standard. And I think it's more than just results on the field and buy-in from players. It's investment, as you've talked about extensively, um, in everything from academies to, to higher quality players. You know, it's this isn't a hobby, you know, being in charge of a sports team. This is, no. this is an, no. something you invest in in order to create a product that people care about that they are willing to spend money on and that has success and brings people joy that, you know, that's the ultimate goal. Maybe because, you know, the, the, the butts are still in the seats and the Simbers army is still as, as awesome as it's ever been. Um, maybe that contributes to a potential lack of motivation, but I, I, I can't speak to that personally. it, it it's, it's frustrating i think for a lot of fans that i talk to that this is the direction that things seem to be heading that's not to say that it can't repair itself that portland can't of course it can renew itself as as one of the class teams in mls but they can't do it with what's currently on the field whether they are injured or not and they can't do it with the approach that they've had, I think, in, in the last several years when it comes to to putting the team together and, and you know, that level of investment.
1: And, and although I, I absolutely agree with you that, you know, just the early season struggles are these are not, you know, that that is not the overall problem. There is a much, 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 much larger picture here than that. But if LAFC looked at their record in March and was like, Man, we're pretty good every other season of the year, but we really struggle to open seasons. If the Seattle Sounders saw that, if the Philadelphia Union saw that, if uh if any number you know, Atlanta United even saw that, uh if NYCFC saw that, if yeah, I mean any number of other clubs. And there are clubs that, that get in the race and are still struggling and aren't doing it right. But if any of those teams saw this pattern they would say that's a problem we we need to figure that out that's that's a problem uh, and and we need to throw everything that we have at solving that problem and i just i've never seen that from the timbers about this issue and so i think it is even though there's a much larger picture here i think it's kind of reflective of the issue <laughs> that there's just not the desire to reckon with these kinds of things uh, and to be proactive about improving them. And, you know, I I very much hope that in the future there is.
0: How much do you think that the, you know, the off-field issues that the, the club has faced impacts that in terms of the ability and time and even potentially motivation to, to make these type of necessary upward momentum moves? I...
1: I don't know. (laughs) I worry that there is an impact, but it's not insofar as, you know, they have to address all these other problems and so they can't address these problems. My bigger worry, frankly, is that there is, because many people on the outside have been critical of the club about other matters, that when they hear this criticism too, that they reject it out of hand because they think it's, you know, haters going to hate, 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 hate. Oh, instead of instead of what it is, which is genuine and good faith and well supported criticism.
0: I just gotta say, like that, that monotone reading of like Taylor Swift lyrics there was <laughs> just just sublime. I, both of our significant <laughs> others will appreciate that listening to this podcast, but uh all the other Swifties out there will as well. I
1: I, I mean I, but that I mean that is my worry that when the club sees people talking about this, that they just chalk it up to being hatered. and it's not. <laughs> like it It's just not. This is an actual real problem and and I, I worry that when people point out these things, that they're just dismissed and and that that sort of puts the club in a position where they're not dealing with these kinds of things because they're just dismissing them out of hand.
0: Shifting gears a bit to a team with uh, better fortunes coming into this year, but no less, uh, you know, slightly better fortunes. There's a lot to be
1: said about the LA Galaxy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that. Yes, definitely. Um, And and that matchup will be um, compelling because of of the injuries on both sides, the, the jersey choices uh the (laughs) the (laughs) galaxy are gonna wear green on saturday which is gonna piss a lot of people off it's already pissed a lot of people off um it makes very little sense to me but you know okay the the timbers will be in in the the rose uniforms i i would imagine i it's hard to imagine green we're just gonna have like green on green that would be absolute (laughs) chaos out there yes um so maybe, the maybe timbers will be in the rose, yeah maybe <laughs> there's the, no question about that. The, the pink smoke might be the move that's usually used at uh thorns games maybe maybe that's the move for the the timbies this week uh we'll we'll see how that goes speaking of those those fine folks uh on the thorns side they are about to start their season uh and they ha- play orlando on sunday one day after the timbers face a tough one with the galaxy both games at providence park both afternoon games It'd be nice if the weather was a little bit better for something like that. It's going to be cold and wet, uh, which sucks, but, you know, people will still be out there cheering their heads off uh, on both days for the clubs. Important moment for the Thorns in many ways, you know, the beginning of the Mike Norris era after everything that went on in the offseason with Rian Wilkinson um, and all of the other controversy that has swirled around that club. Uh, in the past year plus, the, the oncoming sale being a major distraction. It's an important moment, all of that aside, for the players to celebrate their achievement in 2022 uh, with the raising of that banner at Providence Park, uh, their third championship, that third star above the logo, which, side note, does not appear in the logo in FIFA, but is on the uniforms in FIFA, so that's that's a start. I've got a few grapes with know uh, they're portrayed in FIFA generally but uh, you, you and the internet <laughs> yeah me me and the internet I am the internet uh, the <laughs> the the team has a very you know important moment to, to celebrate on Sunday and these players deserve it for more than the fact that they you know went through all of this stuff it's it's a moment of celebration for how great they are as a group as as a soccer team Right, they have an opportunity to to reach that pinnacle again this year because they bring back pretty much the entire team, add a couple of rookies in there, and you are looking at a at a team that is the odds on favorite to win the NWSL championship again in twenty twenty three. That game will be played at a neutral site. It, it, I don't think, will be DC. I think they'll switch it up, maybe go down to LA, uh, perhaps San Diego. Uh, somewhere sunny, uh, if Jessica berman is hearing this, that would be <laughs> please, <nice>. please. <laughs> Although it wasn't bad in DC last year. No, no, I I I love Certainly trip, had a great too. time. Yeah, I had an awesome time in DC. Uh visited my brother. It was it was a good time. But you know, my personal uh desires for the location of the championship game aside, the thorns are very likely to be back there again uh if they if they play their cards right. It's a weird year, obviously, because of the World Cup. There's going to be a stretch where the vast majority of this team's contributors are not here. Um, its best players will not be here. So it, it's going to have to have players, young players step up. And I've heard a lot of great things about Reyna Reyes, about Izzy Diakia, um, and, and about Lauren Kozel, the three rookies that, that were signed, um, or I should say. Two of them were signed. Uh, one of them, <laughs> yeah, how about that? <laughs> one of them, Miss <laughs> Reyes, uh, has yet to be signed, which which is interesting. Uh, the club has has spoken to me about this and and essentially explained it that she uh, she was not able to start her signing period, which every rookie that's drafted into NWSL has a uh, specific signing period that starts when they report to camp. She was injured coming into camp, so her report day was later than the rest of them. But now we're coming into Sunday, and she's not on the roster yet. Raina Reyes, your top pick, who you feel like is going to be a regular contributor. Especially during that World Cup period. Yeah, exactly. I mean,
1: a a, a likely starter for a good stretch of the season.
0: 100%. And, And you need her to get ingratiated as soon as possible, so that's... I would say the biggest question mark, but everything else is, is in place. You have Mike Norris as your head coach, somebody who they believe is going to maintain some level of continuity in terms of the tactical success that the Thorns had last year. He was a person that had a a big role in in their tactical approach and and their analytics and everything else. He's a soccer nerd. um, And he's a very unassuming guy. He's a very nice guy. Um, He, he, doesn't fit maybe some of the traits that people imagine for like this fiery, you know, motivational head coach. He he's, he's a, by the book dude, And they believe in him. The players believe in him. They like him. Um, and they're looking forward to playing for him. His staff is filled out. Now we've, we had an announcement today that Rob Gale and Katie Quinlan are joining the club as assistant coaches under Norris. That adds to, to Vitas who's who's one of the assistants obviously a former timber um and and you know a, a, with those two Vitas and Nadine, Unger, and, and Nadine I, Unger, I, who, I do I do yeah. remember in
1: in during the the game uh against Louisville uh, the, the preseason game I, at one moment I, I looked at the Thorns bench and I was like well there's Mike and there's Vitas and there's and there's Nadine It was like feels like maybe there's one or two yet, yet to come
0: and, and turns out there was <laughs> yes there was and and they actually were i wasn't at the uh the preseason finale against all rain but they were there coaching it just hadn't been made official yet so for for those of you who were at the game and were like who the heck are those people that that's them uh that that's that's katie and rob they they just joined the staff so you know mike finally has has a full staff under him and, and it will inevitably make life easier for him and and improve the quality of training for for all the players as they they embark on this season um but it's it's a feeling of optimism and hunger i think among these these players and among the people around the team um the optimism exists because why wouldn't it right this is an incredibly talented team with the reigning mvp no flaws really (laughs) won the title last year should have won the shield yeah. And
1: basically running it back. I mean, yeah. why wouldn't you be optimistic about that?
0: Exactly. And and it's in terms of their confidence. It's not like, a oh, we can take it easy. We're we're, you know, a bunch of ballers. It doesn't matter. Right. They they are very hungry. They're they're elite level competitors. You think about people like Megan Klingenberg, Becky Sauerbrunn, um, Sophia Smith, Christine Sinclair, Janine Becky, who we are obviously wishing a speedy recovery from her ACL surgery. These are high level competitors and, and moreover, they've, they've seen success and they want it again and again and again. Sophia Smith told me straight up, she wants to repeat as NWSL MVP. She wants to win a world cup with the U S and she wants to repeat as an NWSL champion. That'd be a heck of a year uh, for a heck of a 2023. And, and it is very much in play. I think for, for Soph, uh and those two of those three things for this, this Thornton's team. Um, so it's, it's exciting. I, I don't know about your general feeling, Chris, but I am genuinely excited uh, yeah. a, as an outside objective party to, to watch this team this year
1: for, for very good reason. Uh, but the, the, the real work starts now, right? Uh, as, as we've discussed, these games count uh these early season games are important and they're especially important in a year in which you are going to have pretty significant disruption in the middle of the season that's going to mostly be challenge cup games during the, the the world cup so the 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 impact on the regular season is going to be a little bit less but it's still going to be really disruptive in the middle of the season for for an extended stretch and so these games are really important and i think there is every reason for optimism i think there is every reason for confidence I think, uh, I, I you know, I, 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 think a lot of the things that we decry on the Timber side just simply don't exist on the Thorn side, uh, and and there is the there is a much healthier roster and there is a much, uh, sort of healthier path forward, even notwithstanding a lot of the uh, adversity that they've faced over the course of the last couple of years, but the work still has to start now, uh, and so they can't let that optimism and confidence, that well earned optimism and confidence breed complacency and i agree with you i don't sense that from the team so far uh i don't i'm not particularly worried about that that doesn't keep me up at night the way uh the way some some of the goals the timbers led in against atlanta do uh and and i think there's 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 lots and lots of reason to be to, to be heading into the season opener against the pride uh, very with, with with all the belief in the world in this team but the work still has to start now uh, because three points are on the line and they're on the line. Now they're going to be on the line in the middle of the season and they're going to be on the line at the end of the season. Uh, And so they're they're If you want to repeat as NWSL champions, if you want to go win the shield, I think these should all be very express ambitions of this team this year because I think they're capable of it. Then that starts now. Uh, And I cannot wait, frankly, to see how, how it goes.
0: Yeah, this is a, a team that I I think definitely leads the way in the NWSL. By no means does that mean that there are other teams that aren't as hungry, if not more so, to to unseat the thorns. They're tired of of you know the this type of talk, right? The the idea nope, it, that that these te- this team is unbeatable. They're you know bringing all these players back. You know, you think about San Diego, you think about KC, which upgraded its roster significantly. You know, Angel City, which will um, Angel City, be right no question. back in there. Um, O.L. Reign, another one. Chicago with, with Mallory Swanson. I mean, there there's a lot of parody and a lot of talent across this league. So, you know, one false move, one, you know, taking a couple weeks lightly or, you know, a bad stretch or something like that. And and the Thorns not only potentially lose out on on a shield that they should win, but they put themselves in a tougher position in the playoffs, and and it ends up like 2021, where they are eliminated early and probably should not have been.
1: You know, and I think that's that's a critical point, just because the Thorns did very well last year. They should have won the shield, barely didn't, and then they won the title. Just because all, all of that happened means... Very little for twenty twenty three which is where the primary focus needs to be The 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 thorns don't stand astride this league like a colossus i mean this isn't this isn't that kind of dynamic oh, This is a pretty deep league. There are lots of teams that could beat the thorns. The thorns could miss the playoffs. I, I mean, that, that is, that is a, re- that is a reality.
0: You know, what's nuts is like, they were a few points from that, that that's how yeah. tight those standings were. And this was a team that like, you looked at them at the end when they stood on the top of the mountain and you were like, yep, that's the best team in the league.
1: And they but, looked like the best team in the league over the course of the season,
0: but, it, but, they, but they could pretty easily miss the, the playoffs. Way. Yeah. They could easily have missed the playoffs and, and that is, and
1: they could do it again this year.
0: Yeah. That, that and is so danger. So the, that's why you got to start strong. So, I mean, and, and that's
1: that's why if if that confidence slides into overconfidence, uh, A, it should not <laughs> slide into overconfidence, uh, but B, it could be really, really damaging because if you do drop some of these results early in the season that you shouldn't, uh, that that you should have won, that could very easily be the difference between making the playoffs and not, between having a home game in the playoffs and not, between winning the shield and not. Uh, and so the work has to start now, and 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 the it, it starts against the Pride this weekend.
0: You think about the lineup for this team as, as we enter the year. Pretty much same look that that you were getting last year. You've got Queca and Klingenberg as the outside backs. Kelly Hubley uh, and Becky Sauerbrunn at the center back spots. Um, Rocky Rodriguez and Sam Coffee. Uh, in, in the midfield along with you know potentially somebody like Christine Sinclair if they think she's still a starter but um, at this stage in her career m- probably more of a substitute um, a Crystal young player, Dunn Olivia Moultrie yeah, Crystal Dunn is someone who I think will probably be the odds-on starter in an attacking midfield role, just because this is her first real full season since uh, since giving birth to Marcel um, yep. and, and she could continued to to showcase her world-class ability um in that area you have to think about lindsey heran inevitably eventually once once the world cup is over um if if things go according to the current plan she returns to portland she comes back from her loan with leon uh in the summer and and that loan ends like right in the middle of the world cup i think so um you know, she, she's going to factor and she's going to compete with crystal with, with Christine and Claire uh, for opportunities in the midfield. The and the winger, nice thing about yeah.
1: crystal is that, is that she, she can play in a number of spots, right? She, yes. And so if you want to move her to left back, you can do that. If you want to move her to an attacking wing position, you can do that. She's been successful in all of these places for club and country. Uh, and so, you know, uh, th- that that is the benefit of having such a versatile player in the spot that it makes the most sense to plug her into, because you just have so much optionality that has upside, not sort of optionality in terms of like, you can make it work if you need to. It's like, oh, we can do this. We can do that.
0: Exactly. And, and you know, the, the, the quality of players does not end when, as you keep going up, it in fact improves tremendously. You know, Sophia Smith's the obvious name at striker. She's, she's going to be a world beater again in all likelihood this year. she, She's got every. She's not even in her prime yet, and and that's the the crazy thing. People are like, well, you know, she didn't deserve an eighty seven in FIFA, but, but she's got is a ninety. Actually, saying that, yeah, oh yeah, people are like, she should have been no. She... They're saying that she should have been higher. Oh, uh, okay, sorry. Not that She should have been lower. <laughs> I was like, I was like, ah, oh, eighty seven's too high. I'm like, are you kidding me? No,
1: is, was, is this a joke? That would she been was ridiculous. one of the top ten players in the
0: world last year. Yeah, eighty seven's the minimum, but. 94 potential right that's this that's the same as erling holland right so that that's the level of player we're talking about here and fifa is not real life i'm sorry to keep bringing it up (laughs) but it's it's a reference point lately for people especially with the nwsl um but she's she's gonna tear the, the world apart this year she wants to and on either side of her the the wingers that they have right now are morgan weaver who was great last year and could be even better this year i think she's the person most primed for a major breakout season particularly because during the world cup stretch she's going to be their featured attacking player and hina sugita who was pure class and efficiency last year and after an entire year of nwsl under her belt in that little stretch that I watched her play in, in that first preseason match, she looks so much more comfortable. It's, it's not an avoidance of, of contact thing where she's worried about getting injured because of her frame or anything. She's, she's, she's clowning contact. She's, she's clowning fools is the best way to put it. (laughs) (laughs) She, she is seriously so skilled and such a high level talent that, um, it's an embarrassment of riches for them to have her, and then to be bringing potentially her and back into that mix with Sagita Weaver and and Sophia Smith. I mean, my goodness.
1: By the way, this is a total aside. Did you see the Japan World Cup jersey that was released? I think just this morning. Yes, I did. The cherry it blossom. Is vibes. Straight fire. It is. Oh, it's phenomenal. phenomenal.
0: That that that's like the the peak of of what world cup type jerseys should be is like an homage to, to the country and its culture and, and the general vibes, but it's also just cool as hell, right? It's something that like you will, they will sell a lot of those jerseys because they are seriously so cool.
1: I mean, shoot anybody in the, in the, the, the henna hive, I'm pointing at myself. It doesn't really come through in the podcast format because, you know, audio only, but I'm pointing at myself. <laughs> uh, uh like anybody in the hen hive is gonna be thinking about getting one of those because they are hot
0: yeah they're seriously so cool um and and Hino Sugita is definitely going to have a lot of success i think in the world cup i think japan is one of the teams that you know people should be talking more about in terms of of potentially making some noise in that world cup they've got a, a good number J- japan of to me
1: by the way uh in in terms of the way i i'm kind of like assessing the world cup japan to me is the team that i'm not sure is gonna really contend at the top end but that i would like put all of my money on to be the most fun team in the tournament
0: Mm -hmm. like all of my money yeah it it could be seriously fun from them so like that that's another thing that we've talked about is the idea that all these different players from the thorns are going to be starring for their countries in various capacities and they're going to be on this massive stage. And even if the games are mostly challenge cup games for the thorns or, you know, the, the subs are in there and it's not terrible as exciting as it, it would be. What a great thing to be able to turn your head and watch as, as an alternative, even if maybe oh, some of the games are, year. yeah, it's going to be a great soccer year. Even if some of the games are at like midnight, you know, Pacific time uh, yeah, or 3am Eastern for our, our folks over there but like, our three you know. listeners on the east coast yeah our, our your brother three. and mine yeah my brother your brother and then some my some brother does not listen person. oh he doesn't. your brother <laughs> i don't think my brother listens either so we're talking right. to air right now basically but in general um that world cup is is going to be such an incredible spectacle and i think it being a world cup year at this moment for nwsl is an unbelievable opportunity for continued and exponential growth of the league in terms of popularity, in terms of revenue, to be able to tout that, yeah, you're, you're seeing all of these amazing star players, right? Well, guess where they play 90% of the time when they're not on the national team? Right here in the US of A, in the NWSL. Which our teams. And, and is an
1: awesome league, by the way. Yeah, it's I a I, really I, fun I, league. I, think, yeah. I think there's no debate about this. This is the most exciting year in NWSL history. The competition is really, really good. You have, you have lots of, you have legit star power across the league. You have really good teams. You have finally the league and the players getting just a sliver of the respect that they deserve. You have the World Cup going on to juice things even further. This is the most exciting year in NWSL history, and I hope the Thorns are are in a featured role uh, in that most exciting year in, in NWSL history because I I think it is only upside uh, and and only reason uh, for optimism and excitement.
0: In general, where where do you see things finishing for the Thorns once all said and done? Do you do you see them as as Runaway shield winners, no close shield winners, champions. I mean, in in all the factors of a a season aside, you know, potential injuries, you know, the World Cup, like everything else. What what do you see if you could peer into your crystal ball, happening for this team? The
1: the way I would set the level of success. I mean, the sort of successful versus unsuccessful season for the Thorns this year is, I think it's not a successful year if they don't win at least one trophy. This is a trophy quali- winning quality team. Uh and look, I mean it's 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 ridiculous to set the expectations as runaway shield winners. I think the league is just too deep. I don't think that's going to happen. Um uh, I expect them to be in the shield race. Uh and I expect them to win either the shield or or the the title. Uh and and if they do one of those two things or if they do both of them, that'd be nice then I think they that this is a successful year. If they fall short on both, I, I think they'll be looking at at the year and saying that they should have gotten more. And so I I, I think if, if I'm forced to make a prediction today, I think we'll get one of the two. Um, I've got faith in the players. I've got faith in this group. Uh, I think they have warranted that faith over and over and over again. Uh, they have fought through a ton of adversity uh, in the course of the last year or two and came out on top. And I think there's no reason to think that won't continue. Uh, but I also think that's the expectation when, and with that comes pressure.
0: That'll wrap it up for us here on soccer made in Portland. Thanks to everybody for listening. Thank you to Chris Reifer as always for his unmatched insight, uh, sir. Thank you, uh, as usual, uh, and, and make sure everybody to, you know, like us, subscribe to us wherever you get your pods, follow us on Twitter at soccer maiden PDX at Ryan T Clark at Chris Reifer. Uh, and any parting thoughts here, Chris, any, any, uh, anything you want to share? I, I,
1: I, loved the transition to the wrap up there. I, I, I'm just like bringing the heat and you're just like, we're done finished out <laughs> Tune in next week.
0: Thank you so much. <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, I, it's important for me to end on a high note. And, and when you're, we're bringing the, the toasty takes and, and the, uh, the quality analysis, my friend, uh, It it seems like a an important thing to end on a high note, so so that's my thoughts there.
1: Hence the Thorns being the second half of the podcast today.
0: Indeed. (laughs) Thank (laughs) thank you everybody again for joining us, and we will see you next.